following presentation was recorded live by the Jewish Ethics Institute. So, 16 uh, continues. It says, You shall take the silver of the, ato- of the atonement from the children of Israel, use it for the work of the tent of the meeting, shall be a remembrance for the children of Israel before the Lord to atone for your souls. So there's another purpose there, which was, it was also an atonement. Giving, uh, giving money is always an atonement. Atones for a lot of sins. Okay. Um, so you can buy your way out of hell. Yeah, I like of that. <laughs> so, um, so the, the point was this, the amount, by the way, just, I believe, it was approximately nine, 19 grams of silver, if I remember my, my, what the measure explains, how much this was worth. Maybe nine or 19, I don't remember. But, but in any case, um, so the, the question is, is the Torah proposing a flat tax? It doesn't seem to support specifically a flat tax, so we'll see. From this, from this text, it clearly would, would seem that. Okay, now, just to address Alan's point, so the, um, Samson Rafal Hirsch, who um, talks about in this week's, actually in this week's Torah portion, he talks about this concept of the text. So he says like this, it's only he, you look here, quote number one, under the verses, it's only he who contributes is counted. Only he who makes his contribution is entitled to be reckoned in the number of children of Israel. The moment he seeks to be counted without making his contribution and claims the right to live for himself without contributing, at that moment he forfeits his right to exist. So he's supporting, mm-hmm. saying that, uh, yeah, he's saying that if you, if you're part of a society, you have to contribute to society. You can't live in a society and expect to, to get the benefits of a society without, without paying your due. Okay, that's what the Torah is saying here. Therefore, there's no difference between rich and poor. In a certain sense, he's saying this was the great equalizer. When you have a flat tax, so everyone contributes equally to society. Just because someone is a, has more means doesn't mean that they get their name on the building or. They get everyone is an equal contributor, um, which she's saying that's part of being a society. But right. it depends on the amount of the flat tax, because if the flat tax is high enough, you exclude the people oh, who can't well, afford it. Well, that's what Tara says. No, it's an obligatory tax, no right. matter what. So it was low enough. It was a, it was a substantial amount, but it was low enough that everyone should be able to afford it. Mm-hmm. So there was that concept. But just as far as so so how, so what's going on in Israel, obviously. This is very relevant, as Alan brought up today, there's, there's, there's a big debate going on within Israeli society, current contemporary Israeli society, as to many of the um, people studying in yeshivas don't join the army, and uh, people are not happy about that, so they just recently changed the law, I think it was last week, or they, I don't know if it was implemented yet, but they changed the law where now everyone is obligated to go to the army. So that clearly speaks to this point, but, this is the big caveat, is as we're going to see later, the, the Talmud says that for security purposes, scholars don't have to pay security to any tax. Let's say they're building a wall around the city, which we're going to talk about later. So the Talmud says uh, Torah scholars don't have to pay for that wall. They don't have to contribute. Why? Because Torah is security. Okay, they don't need security. Torah scholars don't need security. They're, they're Torah protects. That's what the Talmud says. Of course, it was written by the rabbis. Okay. <laughs> that's, like the, that's like the Orthodox that don't work and say, I'm going to pray and God's going to give my family food. Well, I do that every day. It works. It works for me. But, um, you got a problem with that? Obviously not. I'm paying. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, 
<laughs> so the point is, so that, so that is, so that, that's, listen, I'm not, I'm not, it's still, I think this exists, they have to pay taxes, at least monetarily. The question is when it comes to specifically security, that's what it says. No, you can talk to they them don't too. Have you to can talk to them too, don't worry about okay. it. Okay, it says, it says when it comes to security um, purposes, then, then Torah scholars don't have to contribute. We'll talk about it. Let's talk about non-profits at the end. We'll deal with that. Okay, so, so, um, so in general, there's no question, um, just off the bat, obviously, we, there's, one has to pay taxes. There's no concept of, uh, um, some seem to think maybe there's a concept you can evade your taxes. There's no, there's no question, as we'll talk about for various reasons, um, that one, if you, whatever country you're living in, you're obligated to pay your taxes. We see there are exceptions to that. But it's a, the point, number one to point out is that halacha, Jewish law, does recognize a difference between um, what, what's called stealing Okay, and oshek, meaning withholding payment. The Torah doesn't call that stealing. Okay, stealing means if I take something that belongs to you, that that's stealing. Okay, that's that's obviously a clear prohibition in the Torah. There's another prohibition, um, which is not. It's a separate prohibition of stealing, meaning withholding funds. If I take a loan from a bank and don't pay the bank back, that's not called stealing in Jewish law. What's it's it called? It's still prohibited. What's it called? It's called fraud. It's called uh, actually. Yeah, it's a passage if you look here on top. It says it's a verse from in Leviticus which says, "No, it's no." In Hebrew, the word is oshek, lotas shok, means you shouldn't commit any fraud to your neighbor. Don't anything which you're with. Anytime you're withholding something that belongs to someone else, that's not stealing. That's called oshek. So it's still biblically prohibited, but the point is, it's important to know it's not considered stealing. Okay. And there's practical differences, as we oh, see. Oh, from commandments, boys. You're not, yeah. thou shalt not steal, you're not stealing. Right. Not, so if I owe David a ton of money for his services and I don't pay him, I'm still okay with the Torah as far as stealing goes. <laughs> as far as stealing goes. It's, it's a violation of the Torah law, but it's not. It's, it's not the same. It's a, it's a lower, it's a much lower it's deal. A civil, it's a civil crime, not a criminal crime. Just like in the United States. It's exactly. a civil, it's a breach of contract, but you're not going to go to law yeah. for breaking the law. It's not a crime. You didn't go to his house and steal her. Right, so I don't, it's a valid point you're making, but I'm not sure the distinction. In, in Jewish law, there is, even stealing is technically not criminal. It's a tort law, it's not considered criminal. Rabbi says it's okay. It's, still, it's all civil. It's a monetary damage. I owe you money, so we consider it tort. There's no criminal in, 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 in Jewish law, you don't go to jail. Right. I, I didn't mean that there's. It might be sold as a slave, but. but it's a different, um, it's a different standard, or it's a different. Yeah, subset. so today, yeah, it's just different law. They're both prohibited. Okay, it's just as just as prohibited, it's just not quote unquote stealing, but prohibition of stealing, that's what we're saying. Well and the penalties are, I would suspect are harsher for stealing than Right. The so for example, steal if you steal something, um, in many cases if you denied if you originally denied it and then we catch you, you have to pay double. The penalty is you pay back double of what you stole. Okay, if it's actually if, and if in some cases even four times the amount you stole. When it comes to fraud, no, it's like any other form of damage. You pay back what you damage. So if you owed someone money, okay. So it's a, it's a monetary. It's, it's there's no penalty involved. That's one difference between let's say stealing in this law and OSHA. Now, what obligates someone to pay um, if you're living in a country? So what obligates someone to pay taxes? Besides, we're saying can, if you evade your taxes, in a certain sense it's fraud. It's based on the, uh, a concept which I think we discussed here in the past called Dina de Malchuta Din, which means the law of the land, okay, the law of the land, even in a non-Jewish society, because again, ideally the Torah was given for people living in Eretz Israel, living in Israel, 
was given as a Jewish, as you know, as a Jewish society. So when you live in a non-Jewish society, there's a famous um, law, Jewish law, known as Dina the Machuta Dina. It means the law of the land, law of the kingdom, is not only besides the law of the land. As Jews, we are obligated to follow the law of the land. There's a mitzvah to follow the law of the land. So we're so it was understood we're going to be, we're not only be living in Jewish societies, therefore we have an obligation to follow the law of the land. Now specifically, um, the law of the land could be many laws. Save you some food. Whoever comes late has to pay triple. Triple damages. Right, and then what she just said, he's talking about stealing the crimes of stealing. And if you come late, it says triple damages. That's the sign machine. All right. So, but you get double CLE credit for that. If you pay double, you get double CLE credit. If you pay double, you get double credit. That's um, an easy way to raise the fee. So uh, the point is, he doesn't, he doesn't eat kosher food. No? No food? Only food. Only Okay, so uh, the point being here is that um, uh, oh, so, so what we're saying is the law of the land halachically required to uphold the law of the land. So, for example, I mean, this is but this is it, most say it's only relevant to monetary law. Meaning, if you speed, let's say the right the speed limit is 65, you're going 75. So that. Most uh, most authorities say you haven't violated Jewish law. No, you're not obligated to keep the law of the land, except when it relates to, to monetary law. Okay, if you're speeding, you're not violating halacha. But if you, again, like we're saying here, you cheat on your taxes, so then that not only you're violating the law of the land, you're also violating. It's a violation of Jewish law. Okay, that's known as dina the machut dina. That uh, whenever now, of course, this doesn't not applicable when the law of the land contradicts the the Torah. Okay, this is only applicable when the law of the land says something which the Torah doesn't. The Torah doesn't speak about, uh, let's say, speeding, how much taxes you have to pay. So, but if the, if the law of the land contradicts the law of the Torah, so for example, let's say America bans uh, circumcision, okay, like they want to do in San Francisco, so that you don't have to, you're not obligated to uphold the law. Of course, you're still obligated to perform circumcision or whatever it is, um, whatever they want to ban. So I mean, it's only if the law of the land doesn't contradict the Torah. The law of the land contradicts the Torah, so it's most, mostly relevant, like we're saying, in tort law, let's say contractual law, where let's say you signed a contract with someone, so the Torah doesn't discuss, let's say according to Jewish law, this might not be a valid contract. But if the law of the land says this is a valid contract, then you're obligated by halacha to uphold the, the contract. Okay? I have a question. Would, would that pertain to, let's say, the government says all Jews should wear a yellow star in their chest? The law of the government, there's not a tort prohibition against it. Yeah, okay, so we'll, so see, you, we'll, you we'll see if it's a discriminatory law, so they talk about that, if it's a discriminatory law, um, then it's not a just law, as we're, we're going to talk about soon. If the law is not just, then you don't have to follow the law of the land. That's when we talk about taxes. Um, is, is, is our tax system a just tax system? Okay, that's, a, that's debatable maybe for some people too, depending on which party you belong to. But, um, but the point is, so you're only obligated to, to follow the law if it's a just law. So if there's a discriminatory law just for Jews, that's, the, that's, that's not a just law. So and automatically, it's a fight. just law. Yeah, I would argue that Jews are in the top tax so bracket and who are penalized at a greater proportion than any other. Uh, that's a very valid well, point. You, you could so we're going to get there. No, you could say, that, you could say our tax laws are not just laws. Yeah, you're right. So, so we need to I define it. We need to define just. They're discriminatory. Discriminating against people with more money. 
Uh, so you're right. We need to define just. So it's a very good point. Very valid point. I'll define it for you. Don't worry about it. Okay. Hey, so we've got to define you what? You want? I'm going to pass you that stuff. What's the plate? Food. Oh, no. I'm good. Thanks. Not eating? Charge the same. What are you eating? I like eat meat during the day. The pumpkin. The, the pumpkin on half coffee in the afternoon. That's in the pumpkin muffin. That's in the pumpkin muffin. Muffin? Nothing. Fruit? Trust me, I'm not missing any meals. I'm No one cares about you. Okay, so, so that's a very good question. So how do you define adjust taxes? Because basically what, um, what Maimonides discusses is, meaning there is, the Talmud makes a reference that all tax collectors are, the Talmud calls them highwaymen, meaning they're, they're robbers, highway robbers, right? They're pirates. So the question is, how does that, how does that fit with what we're saying? Okay, so, so before that, so before we get to defining just, I'm just going to read you, Talmud here says, defines it to some extent. So quote number five, it says like this. It says, the Bright Estates, um, this is from Tractate Baba Kama, it says it is prohibited to evade taxes. Shimon states it's permitted to evade taxes. How can it be permitted to evade a tax? We, did, we, did Shmuel not state that Dina de Malchuta Dina, quote number five, that the law of the land, the law of the kingdom, is a law that we're obligated to follow. So how could one say he's permitted to evade taxes? So uh, Gemara provides two answers. One is, Tax evasion is permitted where the tax collector is authorized to collect any sum he wishes. So if it's just a discretionary sum, there's no set tax code, you know, which, like, for example, Louisiana, right, if you live in Louisiana, uh, places like that, right, so there's no, you know, I've, I've been told by people who anyone here from Louisiana, um, if you go to have your house assessed, or if you go for, you go for an assessment for your real estate, so depending on how big the envelope you bring is, that's uh, depending on what your value of your house will be assessed. I actually, I, I was giving this class somewhere else. A guy told me, he lived in Louisiana, he said that he went to, to property to have his property assessed, and he didn't realize the guy um, happened to live on the next block from him, and he was running for, for city council, I don't know what he was running for, some office, and he basically said, he gave him a sign to put in his front yard. He said, if you put the sign in front yard, this is your, this is your, your tax, if you don't. He had two different numbers for depending on if he put the sign for his for himself in front yard. So so if you live in a society, that's what we're saying. So there's no set amount, um, right? The tax collector is authorized. I don't know if he's really authorized to collect any sum he wishes, right? As we know, the mayor of New Orleans was just uh, indicted last week, right? For for being similar. a criminal. Yes. <laughs> okay. So but so the point is. he was a criminal five years ago. I don't know why they let him stay in office. It was Louisiana. <laughs> they should put a whole fence around Louisiana, as far as I'm concerned, just having a national penitentiary. Okay, okay, let's make a person. Let's make a person. Mardi Gras coming up. And then chain everyone to the lowest link and hope it floods. Hey. Okay, so. Um, Hello. Hi. Come in, come in. Um, if you were triple, I guess she's five times you. <laughs> So, help her take care of her. The party. You need to the food. Your lunch wasn't as good as this. Okay, so, so, so the Talmud is defining what just taxes. So it says, um, tax evasion is permitted when the tax collector is authorized to collect any sum he wishes. So there's, it's up to his discretion. He just decides what he wants to collect. Or, he says, when the tax collector is self-appointed and does not represent the king. So let's say you have a case like in, uh, you know, some mafia, right, where they're coming for collection money. So that's technically a tax also. Okay? So uh, so they're coming around there. This guy 
is coming around. It says you have to pay this tax. So in that in that case also, for number five. Okay, so in that situation, it's a similar. To the, that's not just. So in that case, you'd be allowed to. That, that's what when the Talmud saying when it calls a tax collector a highway robber. Okay, that's what it's referring to. Someone like that who, based on their own discretion, they decide what they're going to collect taxes. Okay, but if it's a just system, then you have to pay because of the law of Dina Machut. Now the Maimonides defines again defines what's considered just. Okay, the Maimonides defines the number six. He says like this. He's got to find this law. He says, when, when does the statement that a customs collector is considered to be a highway, highwayman apply? So he says, when the customs collector is a Gentile who is self-appointed, Gentile, by the way, doesn't mean any Gentile, Gentile specifically means a pagan, someone who worships pagan gods, okay, who is self-appointed or is appointed by the king, but is given unlimited jurisdiction and takes whatever he wants and leaves whatever he wants. So again, it's up to his discretion to decide what he's going to charge you. So says my man, in that case, it's not a just system. However, he says the customs collector was appointed by the king to take a third, a fourth, or any fixed amount. So there's, there's a system, and he, he based on a clear fixed amount. Such person is not considered to be a robber. The law established by the king is binding law by the government. Indeed, anyone who does not pay this tax transgresses for he's taking what is due to the king. Okay, so my man is very clearly um, enunciates what's considered just and what isn't. He says, if there's a fixed amount, that's a just system. If it's not a fixed amount, and it's up to the discretion, as we said, up to the person, um, as we mentioned in Louisiana, then that, that would be a case where it's not a just system, and therefore you have a right not to pay your taxes or to try to evade it somehow by hiding. Yes. Hiding so this is saying a just system is something that's endorsed by the government? No, it's not. There are many governments who don't have just systems. Um, a just system means it's a fixed amount. Many times in some countries, even today, believe it or not, I'm not gonna, I don't want to get personal, mention different countries in South America where they, you're hired as a tax person, you can go to the person's house and decide what you want. Okay, there's no, it's not a, a fixed system. It's, a, it's up to the discretion of the tax collector. But if I say, if I'm, uh, let's just use Russia, if I say I'm going to tax everyone 70%, Hey, I'm going to tax everyone seventy percent because I want to fund. That's fine. If, I want to if, fund my as long as it's everyone, it's a just meaning. As long as everyone's being taxed the same amount, like in Greece, where they just have you know, like I think the tax rate there is like you say, it's like sixty percent or something. Right? That's just listen. If that's what the government needs to so decide, you need that. But as long as everyone's being taxed the same amount, it's not up to someone's discretion to decide the amount. That's the point. You know, as long as the government says this is the amount we're being, as long as it's a set rate for everyone, so that's a just system. What we're saying is if it's up to the discretion of the tax collector to decide, that's where it's not just. If it changes based on your nose or based on your kippah or based on whatever it is, that's where it's not a just system. Okay? So, so the question would be, let's say, like we mentioned Louisiana, where technically there is a system set up. There is an amount, meaning the evaluation system, let's say, for state property taxes. It is whatever, I don't know what the numbers are, let's say 6% of the value of property right, is taxed, depending if you live in Bel Air, much higher. Right, but, but I'm saying, so, so the system is just. The problem is you have corrupt individuals who are, who are basing it on their own discretion. Now, the evaluation system is set up. So I'm not sure how it would work in that case, because technically it's a, it's a just system. Just the people who are running the system are corrupt. So I'm assuming there's no difference. I mean, if, if the person is corrupt, so you have a right to, to, to not to pay your taxes in that situation. That's what my mind is saying. That makes sense? No, that makes sense. This implies, though, if the tax collector is Jewish 
it doesn't have to be. Well, I, yeah, I'm not sure what he means by that. Like I said, it's not, uh, yeah, I don't think it makes a difference. He's just assuming Jewish tax collectors are not going to rip you off. Didn't know today's. <laughs> so in Israel, if, it, if the tax collector is Jewish. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know if they really, uh, I'm not sure what, why he throws that in there. I mean, the assumption is, I think it's just the assumption is that a Jewish guy is not going to, you don't assume he's, he's doing it on his own discretion. That's, I think that's all it means. But the, the key point is it has to be a, a fixed amount. Okay, now this is where this is where it gets tricky. This is what you mentioned before. Um, meaning, the question is, if you take my mind as literally, um, in his definition of what's a just system, he's saying it has to be a fixed amount. It could be as much as you want, but it has to be fixed. So either he said a third or fourth or any fixed amount. In our American system, it's not a fixed amount because there's different tax brackets. So when you're... It's temporary, it's uh, the lowest, let's say, it's 10%, I don't know what the bracket is. Right, say the lowest bracket is X is 10%. Once you're making, if you're in the second tax bracket, it's, you know, it's 12%, it goes up. So there is really no fixed amount. Because because you're making more money, you have to pay not just more taxes, but you're paying a higher tax rate. Okay, so it's fixed in each bracket, but technically one can make the argument, according to my money, it's not a just system. Because it's not a, it's not a third or fourth it's not a fixed amount. It's based on your income. You're going to be having a higher tax bracket. So one can make that argument theoretically. Maybe according to my mind, I don't know. I don't know the answer. It's, good, it's a good question. But you get my point. Now, this is what you were saying before. Ellen. Because I make more money, so I'm penalized. Right? I I have to pay now a higher tax bracket. So the guy who's making under ten thousand dollars and under fifty thousand is is paying only a third. Guys making over a hundred thousand dollars and two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Right? No, I didn't say I had a problem. I just said that the the if you're saying it's a Torah deal that says that, then the Orthodox Jews have a problem because they're going against what the Torah says, which should be a flat tax. No, I'm not, I mean talking about forget the flat tax. He, what we're saying is it has to be a fixed tax. So everyone it has to be an equal rate for everyone. So once you start saying based on your income now. It's well, not, I don't, mind, not the, I don't the same mind the rate. I don't mind the taxes. I don't care if they tax more. I just care where they waste all the money. But that's another story. Okay, it's, it's not not paying. It's what they do with it. What about an unjust tax collector who's doing something in your favor? Like, hey, I can get you down to twenty percent. Your neighbors can be paying forty, but I'll take. I'll square the government. You're actually only hurting the government, but your guy. No, so that's their tax. What we're saying is, if you, if it's a just system, then you have to pay your taxes, whatever you're obligated to pay. Just because this guy is being nice to you, it doesn't give you. It doesn't uh, change. It doesn't, doesn't avoid the whole transaction. Well, again, if it's not a just listen, if he's doing the same thing for everyone, meaning if he's, it's if it's corrupt, if it's a corrupt system, so then it seems to imply my then you don't have to pay your taxes. Right? If it's a corrupt system, but the question now, assuming he's doing that to you, he's not just doing it to you; he's doing it to other people, and some people's charging more. Some people that means a corrupt system. So in that case, even if it benefits you, yeah. Well, well so a corrupt system, <laughs> I just pay your reduced amount and go. Every on corrupt life. system benefits someone, right? right, right. Someone's been someone. So, so again, so that's so the only thing I'm not sure about is this is debatable. If our again, how would you define our system where it's a, it goes by a bracket? Coined, if again, if you take my my money's in a literal sense, he seems to be implying that it has to be a fixed amount. And our system is not a fixed amount. It's a fixed amount within each bracket. Progressive. Right, it's a progressive. Uh, so that's question. I mean, I don't know the answer. I'd assume it's still called a fixed amount. The fact that, listen, we charge people based on their incomes, different brackets. 
I would I would venture to say it's still a fifth amendment, but I'm not sure. I haven't seen anyone discuss it. Um, so so again, so clear consensus in the absence of either of these factor, factors. So it seems to be that everyone would agree to a certain sense that um, if, assuming it was, it's a just system and the guy's not making up his own amount, um, then then <coughs> the the then you have to pay based on dina the machuta dina, okay? <laughs> Nudge Alan. Does it have the best? Okay. Is the is the is the multi-tier tax system? Okay, this is what I asked before. Now, it's interesting if you look at the Social Security, Medicaid, payroll tax. Those are all a fixed amount across the board. There is no difference um, based on your income. That's not based on your income. So those, there's no question. All those taxes, we're saying you'd be obligated to pay halakhically, because that's clearly a fixed amount. Your income is irrelevant when you pay your Social Security, Medicaid, payroll. Those are all it's irrelevant to your income. You're paying more if you make more money. Um, maybe it's a percentage, but it's a fixed percentage no matter um, how much you make. Okay, so that's considered a fixed amount. So um, even though it's multi-tier, it, it's not fixed because some people would have deductions and others wouldn't. And those no, but that's are, fixed. That Everyone is entitled to the same deduction. No, the point is it has to be a fair system. Everyone is entitled to the same deduction. Um, listen, some people like they make the RMG hasn't paid taxes in four years or something, right? Because they have good lobbyists. But everyone, you could also have a good lobbyist. You just might not be able to afford your good lobbyist to, to, to get you those deductions. You can't afford a better account, but that doesn't make system not just. Everyone, it's a just system. It's just, it's just like our, our judicial system. It's a just system. People, some people can afford better lawyers than others. Does that, does that make the system unfair? Some might claim that. If you get a you know, public defender, so you're, you're not going to have as good a case. I'm not sure that makes it, I mean, you can make that argument, but that doesn't make it an unjust system. Everyone is entitled to the same deductions. You just might not be as clever as your neighbor. Okay, now there's nothing wrong, it's important to note that there's nothing wrong with using every loophole in the book. You know, there's no obligation, even though we're saying you have to pay your tax, to uh, be patriotic and pay extra. If legally it's a valid deduction, and it's 100% legal, if, if you, so, so there's no question about it. I mean, you know, we're not saying, you're not obligated to be patriotic. It's a nice thing, but if you want to give, you know, donate to the government. But anything that's a legal, um, a legal loophole, it's 100% legal, without question. Um, one of the things that I mentioned, I forgot. Let's, let's turn to the next page, which is, and we mentioned this actually in a different class. As we know, it's prohibited to lie um, to, in general. It's a biblical prohibition of, of you're not allowed to lie. But in a case where there's a corrupt system, so let's say you know, they're asking you on your tax return, uh, X, X and X. So if it's a corrupt system, we're saying technically you wouldn't have to pay. Um, so you're, you're actually, you would be allowed to lie. It's a, and it's an explicit mission. We discussed this. We discussed lying actually in a, another class. And number seven. So it says very clearly: one is permitted. This is a, a Mishnah in Talmud, tractate in the Durham. It says one is permitted to make a vow to murderers, plunderers, and corrupt tax collectors. That the corrupt is in parentheses because it doesn't say corrupt. But it's again, it's obviously referring to to a corrupt system. That the produce they wish to seize is truma, meaning so they come they come to your to your place of business. And they're looking to take to steal your fruit. You know, you, you have a vegetable market, whatever the case is. So you're allowed to say that this was already tied, and this belongs to the high priest or the priest, I mean, even though it doesn't. 
was a total lie, but you're allowed to lie again because you're to save your money in a case where it rightfully belongs to you, where it's a corrupt system, so you're allowed to lie. Um, so it says an alternative explanation that even murderers and robbers would not violate the prohibition against using the truth. Okay, even if it is not true, or that the property they wish to seize belongs to the royal house. So even if it doesn't, you're allowed to lie and say it does. So lying is permitted when it's a situation where you're coming to save your, your money, rightfully so. Again, if, it's, if it rightfully belongs to the government, obviously you can't lie. But, but it's important to know you're allowed to lie um, in certain instances, permitted to lie. And in this case, we're saying where someone is coming to steal something from you, quote unquote stealing something from you, so you're allowed to lie. Um, by the way, another, another thing which you didn't mention, because I said before it's a consensus, and as I'm speaking, not necessarily a consensus. For example, and this might sound a little racist, this Jewish law, but, um, but I'm saying it anyway, um, that the law is that if a, if a mistake is made, um, let's say you go to the supermarket and they mistakenly give you extra change, so the halacha is you're allowed to keep it, if, if the owner is a Gentile. Okay, that's the racist part. Um, meaning, norm, meaning, if it's a Jewish owner, you're obligated to give it back. You know, they, you gave them, you know, they gave you, you gave them ten dollars. They thought it was a hundred. They give you back eighty dollars and change. So you're allowed to keep it halachically. Or let's say your ATM spews out extra cash, you can keep the money if it's a mistake. So that's that's called tot akum. Again, because like we said before, that's not called stealing, and therefore. Um, Okay, so you're allowed to keep care of your own people, right? You know, though. No. There's a well, lot just of just because halakhically correct, I mean, you should do it. Well, there's a lot yeah, of rules like that. Like, don't charge usurious interest. Really, just applies Jew to Jew. Right. 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 So again, it's because we, as family, we take care of exactly. family. All the family. <laughs> okay. You don't side against the family. Exactly. So, so the point is, so that, so again, if someone, if the IRS, let's say, sends you back an extra refund. You technically, you'd be allowed to keep it. And you don't have to return the, even if you're not entitled to it, you can keep the money. I wouldn't worry. You can't ever figure it out anyway. You just deposit it and then wait till the next thing comes. Until we figure it out. Okay, so, so that's another important law. Now, I mean, um, I checks all the time. I don't know what they're for, and I just deposit them. Um, okay, so now, so another, uh, so this, this quote number eight is important. This is what we mentioned before. So you do see, still now we, it seems to be talking about a fixed tax, but the Talmud does discuss in, a, in certain cases when you're dealing, this particular case is a security issue, that you can charge based on someone's income. Okay, so it says like this, it says in number eight, it says, uh, it's a quote from the Talmud in Baba Batra, it says, Rabbi Lazar inquired of Rabbi Yochanan, is the impost for the wall levied as a poll tax or according to means? He replied, is levied according to means, and do you, Eliezer, my son, fix this ruling firmly in your mind? According to another version, Rabbi Lazar asked Rabbi Yochanan whether the impulse was levied in proportion to the proximity of the president's of the resident's house to the wall or to his means. So, meaning, is it based on his income or how much they needed? So, this would be very relevant, let's say, to um, um, to healthcare. Let's say, assuming there's a healthcare tax, which officially the Supreme Court defined um, Obamacare as, as a tax. That's the only reason it was it was deemed constitutional because it's considered a tax, even though technically it's, it's really not a tax because they're not charging as a tax, um, right? but, but uh, they're obligating people to buy health care. So the Supreme Court ruled that that's considered a tax. So the question is, if, I don't, if I'm a healthy person, can you obligate me the same amount? So this, the, this quote here seems to be saying that, according to one opinion at least, that it's based on the need required. You can charge someone based on their need. That means if they live, in this case, is the building a wall for the city, for security purposes. So people at the edge of the city need a wall. 
people living in the middle of the city don't need security because they're surrounded by other, other houses. Right? So it's only people that live close to the wall need the security of the wall. Um, but the Talmud says you're allowed, to, and therefore you're allowed to charge them more. People living near the edge of the city get charged a uh, higher tax. Okay, so this would be questionable. Question: How do you apply this relevant to uh, when you're dealing with healthcare? Because people, you can, you know, they're charging equally. People who are healthy, that's the whole way. It's being paid for. The same people that are healthy have to pay for the people that are unhealthy. Right. So the question is, how does that work in that sense? In that context, is that um, now, it's not saying you can't charge everyone equally. What it's saying is you can charge someone more if they have more of a need. Okay, so you can r charge more taxes for, let's say, let's say it would be Medicare um, for people who need it, as opposed to um, charging everyone equally. So you may do that. It's not saying you can't do the other way. And even if someone doesn't have the need, you, you can charge them equally. So it goes, seems to go both ways. Um, but at least here you see also and we're not only saying in Jewish law that there's a flat tax. There are other, other choices besides flat tax. Here it's based on the need or based on income. Okay? You know, the heat is putting him on sleep. Tell the lawyer to load There's something going on at this end of the table. No, I just thought maybe you could make the re get a copy of the recording so I can use it tonight. Thank you, Bishop. Okay, so let's Usually uh, Percam Vote does it, and I've got the page like four, like 12 times. And, you know. Okay, so... Uh, um, okay, so, so this is another, so just going to finish up very soon. We're almost there. Um, the, the other issue is relevant to you, Alan, very relevant. The, the question is, some people complain about charitable organizations. You know, there's, there's, a, there's two things, two beautiful things in the United States of America tax system, um, which is one is that uh, there's 501c3, that tax, uh, non-profit organizations are exempt from taxes, which is a beautiful thing. And uh, number two is that there's something called parsonage, which I don't know if you're aware of this. Clergy um, do not have to pay any income. Let me just think how it works. Any, basically, anything related to, you, to real estate they don't um, pay property taxes. They live in the house no, that they, they live in, right? No, yeah. I'm saying anything, <coughs> anything meaning your mortgage payments, everything is deductible. So you can double dip, meaning uh, you, anything related to your, your all your, uh, your utility bills, anything related to if you improve, you make you do redo your house. So that's a deduction for clergy. And you deduct the beginning of the year, you give a number to the government. It's called parsonage. It means any of your income, whatever that number is, let's say you say it's $40,000. Your mortgage payments and your utility bills and your lawn care, anything related to your real estate, is not considered income. You don't pay income on that. So that number, you, you, you clergy the way it works. Because it's tax-free then. It's tax-free income. So we should all go to the Phoenix School of Clergy and get a <laughs> get a rabbinical degree just so that you can do the parsonage. Right. You can look up a, the Dude University, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I say yeah, School of Phoenix, whatever. So so this is a it's a great law. It's a great law. Um, the point, what's, what's great, what's amazing about it is we, it's not an American thing. Actually, the source of this law is from the Torah itself. This law of, of tax-exempt, that, um, that clergy are tax-exempt, is, uh, is, you want to take that? Uh, okay, the, the law is... The My law name is David Torah. Love. <laughs> okay, it says like this, tax-exempt organizations, it says in Genesis, 
um, the end of Genesis, Parshat this is the source for this law. Actually, um, Yosef, Joseph, when he was the viceroy in Egypt, so as we know, he, one of his main things was he collected major taxes before the seven years of famine. He took away everyone's land. Basically, the government incorporated everyone's land. But it says, the Torah says like this, it says, only the land of the priests he did not buy. Okay, so this is 5,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago, Joseph instituted this law of tax exempt, of 501c3s. It says, only the land of the priests he did not buy, since the priests had, sti had a stipend from Pharaoh. And they lived off their stipend, the Pharaoh had given them. So first of all, you see the government supported the rabbis, supported the priests. Um, and number two, it says, when the land produces grain, you will have to give a fifth to, Pharaoh, to, to the Pharaoh. But they, the clergy were exempt from that. The priests were exempt from that tax. So actually, so you see this concept, the source of, uh, of parsonage is straight out of the Torah. So thank God our beautiful government follows the laws of the Torah. Now, so I'll get to the last issue here, um, which is the, this is, uh, it's a fascinating thing. People are not aware of this, but um, I'm a first generation American. Father grew up in, in Eastern Europe. If you speak to anyone who lived in many of these countries, they were uh, very corrupt governments in many cases. Um, even before, I'm talking about, forget about the Holocaust, I'm talking about before, many these governments, the tax system was corrupt, everything was corrupt. And there was a, throughout our history, we've been living in many of these lands, so we, we instituted, one of the things you easily want to get someone you don't like is you'd go to the government, you'd inform on them. Especially in these non-corrupt governments, you tell them, oh, this guy just made a lot of money, and they go and take it. So the, they instituted a law, as a matter of fact, in the, even in the Shimon Esri, the, the, there's a 19, we call the Shimon Esri the Amidah, which is the, the focal point of our prayers, is known as the Amidah. So it's called Shmonesri, which means 18. Because there are 18 blessings. But if you count up the blessings, Shmonesri, they're really 19. And the 19th blessing was instituted at a later point in history because there was many Jewish informers. The name of the blessing is about the informers. We ask God to help us from the informers. Okay? The point is that there was a problem throughout our history. Many times we're our own worst enemies. And the Jews would inform on other Jews. Okay? So there's a, so the, there's a lot of laws discussed in the Talmud and Code of Jewish Law dealing with this issue of what's called Mesira, informing to the government a fellow Jew. How does that work? And it's prohibited. Um, now, the question is, becomes today, and this was actually an actual response, and let's say I work for the IRS, let's say I'm in law enforcement, uh, whatever my case is, am I allowed to inform on a fellow Jew who's, who's I know is cheating on the, you know, let's say I audit someone, I audit, I work for the IRS, I'm an auditor, that's by the way, it's a good thing if you ever want to this uh, friend of mine used this in conversation when, when people ask him, what does he do for a living? So he says, I'm a, I am an auditor for the IRS. So that ends the conversation right there. They want to get rid of someone. It's a good, it's a good way to end the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, okay, so, but the point is, so, so let's say you do, you are really an auditor for the IRS, and you come across a fellow Jew's tax returns. There are major issues. Are you allowed to inform? Is it a problem of violation of this concept of Masira, what we call um, informing on a fellow Jew. So, so what they discuss in contemporary times in our beautiful country, that there's no such concept. That whole law of the prohibition of informing on a fellow Jew, specifically, again, when you're dealing with an unjust system, an unjust government, the problem is you're informing on someone and they're going to put this guy away for no reason just because they don't like it, right? So meaning it was an, uh, the whole system was, was, was corrupt. So that's where there's a problem of informing on someone. But of course, when you live in a just country, and again, that would maybe be debatable, is the IRS just or not? But assuming, let's assume for argument's sake, it's a just system, 
So then there's no question you have a right, you not only have a right, you should inform um, on someone who's doing something wrong. Is okay. it just applicable to taxes, or is it anything? So, so anything, technically, would be anything. Even now, a criminal? Yeah, for sure a criminal. If the person needs to be off the street, for sure. This was saying even if, when it comes to tax, where it's just a monetary. No, no, no. But oh. is the pro the nineteenth prohibition just applicable to taxes in in a corrupt system, or is uh, it no, applicable it was, to it, anything? Listen, if someone is truly doing something wrong, you can inform. The question is when people would use it for for ulterior motives. They'd inform when someone. No, really, you know, he did a minor thing, but he's going to be put away for life, you know. Right. Soviet Russia, you, you know, you, you spoke about the government, or you go to, you know, you'd be in Siberia for the next 30 years. So that's where we're saying it's applicable. That's exactly his point. So Moshe Feinstein discusses, someone who worked for the IRS actually asked him this question. And he says very clearly, he says, in the matter of one who wants to be an auditor for the government, such that on occasion one will encounter the tax returns of one who has cheated, and he will detect the fraud, and will thus have to report it, He'll be like one who informs the government, and they will punish this person more than he's liable according to Jewish law. So the issue is not only the informing part. The problem is that, let's say, in halacha, for example, there's no concept of incarceration, like we were mentioning before. It's not criminal. If you steal, it's, a, it's in Jewish law, it's considered tort. You don't get put to prison. You have to pay back what you stole. There might be a penalty, but you don't get incarcerated for stealing. So now if you uh, tattletale, if you inform on someone to the government, and as this person is receiving more than he's liable for in Jewish law. So that's part of the question also. So that, that still applies today. So what, some make the argument that even in today's system, if you're going to send someone to prison for a crime even, but in prison the problem is the, the system might be just, but he's going to be raped in prison and he's going to be uh, tortured and you know he can't pick up the soap when he takes a shower. right? So then, so then it's, in essence, it's not a just system. That, that's where the argument is, is dependent on, because you could say, listen, he might deserve to go to jail, you know, but he doesn't deserve whatever else is going to happen to him in jail. Okay, so, so that becomes part of the issue. Okay, so, so that's what, so Roger Feinstein is still saying, and everyone says today, in most cases, you still should inform if someone's doing something criminal. It seems logical to me that since anyone who examines the tax returns will encounter the fraud, so, so what he's saying is, anyway, either way, listen, if you don't audit him, Someone else is going to end up ordering him, auditing him in the IRS. So it's irrelevant. So the guy's going to get it ordered anyway. Better you do it than someone else. She says, therefore, um, he says, whether the person takes the job or not, another is there. Thus, one who cheats loses nothing. Whether or not this person takes the job without loss, there's no prohibition. So this person will actually asking the, the rabbi whether he's allowed to take the job as an IRS order. And he told him, yes, listen, because if you don't do it, someone else is going to do it anyway. But again, the only uh, time you have. The only time you have an issue of informing on someone is when it's a not a just system. If it's a just system, then there's no problem. And as we said, the same really applies to taxes. Um, the only time there is a possibility of one not paying taxes is when you're not dealing with a just system. Otherwise, as uh, Adam Smith says, taxes are the lifeblood of the government, and we all gotta all gotta pay, except rabbis. Well, thank you for coming. Now everybody should become a rabbi. <laughs> If you want, I'll Ernie, anyone else can go, but I think Karen and Ernie have to do 15 minutes later because they came late. No, I have a question about the, I'm sorry I missed this one, the difference between stealing and not paying back. Is it golf Yes, player? we just said in, oh, in uh, Jewish law, there's uh, withholding something is not considered stealing. It's prohibited, a different biblical prohibition of, uh -huh. of what's called Oshik, but it's not stealing in the sense of, there's different applications to it, it's not. You have to pay so a penalty. The, the, the punishment's different for Yeah, I'm saying there's no penalty. For example, stealing, there's a penalty. You pay double. 
if we if you denied it, the Torah says you have to pay double. Um, it's called kefal, like right? kefal. So there's penalties about withholding. There's no penalty. No penalty. Yes. Yeah. Thank you.